You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. This episode of the Sportsman's Empire is brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Since 1952, Interstate Batteries has been evoking compassion and a trustworthy spirit into the surrounding communities. Interstate Batteries is a mission-driven company fueled by purpose and guided by their values. If you need help locating a specific battery, stop into your local Interstate Batteries retail store and speak with a battery specialist. They even offer cell phone repairs. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Antler Up Podcast, brought to you by Tethered, the world's best saddle hunting gear, and we got a great show for you all today. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Antler Up Podcast for you. We're on episode 210. Dude, we got a good one on today because we got Jared Schaefer from Tethered On, and Jared killed five bucks this year from various states. So we're going to cover a bunch of different things, all the hunting escapades that he did this past year, going from Maryland, Ohio, West Virginia, Indiana. Oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm missing one, I feel like. But Jared unfolded all his triumphs with his trad bow this year, the hurdles he encountered in really all these diverse hunting terrains and amidst missed opportunities, setbacks, unwavering optimism, persistence is what helped him continue to fill these tags this year. This episode delves into Jared's reflections on the season, unveiling really some like key takeaways like trusting his instincts, overcoming challenges, and really adapting to dynamic hunting situations and really unique scenarios that I'm really excited for you to listen to. He sheds light on the experiences while hunting on the public land, emphasizing really the importance and perseverance and not succumbing to really the adversity that he faced. So we really get into some future plans, some eagerness to explore some new hunting spots and states, and really some of the things of how important his setup is and the way he hunts has helped him fill some of those tags this year. And we talk a little bit about that. So you'll hear him mention some things about uh, where he will, and you could see that basically in, in upcoming tethered videos. But really, the key takeaways from this episode include the benefits of hunting close to home, though. And but they he had some unique really enjoyable experiences and man i'm really really pumped for you to listen to this one jared is again i said it on i think on the the previous podcast with rob mendoza like jared is seriously one of the best humans out there those of you that know him have met him he's always willing to help he's the guy that will give you a shirt off your back to help you out um comes from a great family so jared i appreciate you coming on man you're one of the best hunters that i know so 
Really enjoy this episode, everybody. I hope you do. Stay tuned for more next week. We got some good ones coming out down the pipeline for you. So, so enjoy this episode. Thanks again, everybody, for your continued support. If you like what you hear, go leave that five-star review. Write something up. Type it out on iTunes. I don't think you could do that just yet on Spotify, but still hit that five-star button on, on, on there as well. Just helps things out. Some of the kind words that I've received the last couple of weeks, honestly, thank you so, so much. It really means I'm, I'm trying to, to improve and get better and, and give you all some, some really valuable information and things and just have fun talking to people and just enjoy a great conversation with just down to earth people. So really means, it really means a lot to me. So thank you so much. And again, a couple things real quick before we get into it, we will be at the tethered booth during the great American outdoor show. I believe both weekends, opening weekend, as well as the last weekend during the week. A good, if you're there during the week, you might see Tim Seasock there. He's going to help out, which is great. Good buddy, Tim. So stop by, say hello to him and check out the guys over at Exodus Outdoor Gear. They'll, they should be right across the, probably the walkway. You'll probably be able to see them if they're in the same spot. Check cam Jake, as well as chat out with the arrows and, and as well as their cameras, they got new ones coming out. So be sure to check that stuff out and be sure that you are following along with tethered because I'm telling you, man, some really awesome stuff will be coming out soon. So appreciate it, everybody for tuning in. Enjoy this episode till then antler up. Tether is a team of saddle hunting fanatics with a passionate addiction to whitetail hunting, designing and engineering products to be a more efficient and confident hunter. Tether produces the most mobile, stealthy, and safest elevated hunting gear on the planet. Built by saddle hunters for the saddle hunter. Head over to tethernation.com to see for yourself what exactly I'm talking about. America's Best Bowstrings has been manufacturing high-quality custom bowstrings in the USA since 2006. America's Best Bowstring strives on the commitment to never end the search for perfection, and this has been the driving force behind the company. Innovative products for every archer out there. Go create a custom set today at americasbestbowstrings.com. And a special code is made for our listeners of the Antler Up podcast for America's Best Bowstrings. Use code ANTLERUP and you will save $10 off your order. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I'm joined by the man, the myth, the legend, the greatest there is, the best there was. I, I refer to him as the, our hunting Brett the Hitman Hart. Uh, I got Jared Schaefer from Tethered. Jared, welcome to the show, dude. What's up, dude? Glad uh, to be back. So it's always good catching up with you. Dude, it is always a great time to catch up. And uh, I actually recorded with Rob the other night, and it was kind of cool yeah. because uh, when we were talking and there was a, a conversation towards the end, you know, he kind of teed something up for me and I, I was talking about how how truly this year I don't know if it's just because of where I'm at in my life as far as mentally and like in, in good in a good position good spot and I just said how thrilled more so I've always been happy when my friends uh, have success in, in the deer woods I've always 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 have but this year it just seemed like all my good buddies were just laying the hammer down and nothing fire. And I even said this in that podcast with, with Rob, I said, nothing fired me up more on a day when you would text me just a, a just a friggin' awesome stud of a buck. And it just like, it was just like, it seemed like every other day <laughs> it was happening for you. So I'm excited to, to go down some, some hunting uh, rabbit holes with you, man, just because you had a, a fun year 
I can't wait to hear the stories and, and two, you know, two videos are out, uh, on at the time of recording this. So who knows how many will be out, uh, once this does finally drop, but we got the Maryland part one with Amanda out at this point, your, your Maryland buck at this point, it hasn't dropped yet, but your Ohio uh, hunt has dropped, which was kind of cool. You know, it was funny cause you texted me and you're like, yeah, uh, look what else, but showed up a couple minutes later. It was just so like knowing what actually happened and seeing it, how it unfolded, it was just like how you texted it. So, which is kind of cool to see, but man, I'm, like I said, I'm excited to chat with you. It's always a good time to have good friends on and, and, uh, I'm pumped brother. Yeah. And I'm the same way, man. I, you, you know, you were texting me back and forth, you know, whenever you, you were having some success and that, that's my favorite thing too. Like during season, just sharing that with your buddies, just texting back and forth and kind of, you know, the one, the buddies that aren't having the luck kind of encourage them a little bit, yep. you know, give them, maybe give them a little bit of a hard time, but encourage them as well. But yeah, dude, it, it's, uh, it was a crazy season. You know, I had a lot of success. I, I killed five bucks this year, which is, you know, I think the most ever that I've killed in a year. But uh, in the month of November, I think I hunted eight days and I killed four bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and I had encounters with, I think, a couple other ones as well that we could talk about, yeah. you know, in that time frame. So it was just a crazy November. It was perfect, wild. perfect timing, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, before we do that, Jared, here's here's what I want to do. I've been trying to switch things up. Obviously, you know, we talk all the time as far as like listening to, to podcasts or how can we get better and things we learn. And I'm all for that, right? I'm an educator. I love that. But I also like to get a chance for maybe people to, you know, get a chance to know the guests a little bit uh, on a different side of things. So, Jared, here, let me ask you this. Let's kick this off with what is Jared listening to? metal metal okay so listen to metal or all right so what now this is the other one that, that we're kicking off things with what is your favorite venison dish i actually just had it tonight and that is a chunk of backstrap in the sous vide for about two hours and then just sear it with salt and pepper and that's that's literally what i just had an hour ago so that, it's it's hard to beat. <laughs> I'll tell you what, the salt, uh, the salt and pepper thing, I, th I think is extremely underrated. That has mm -hmm. been, I would say the last two years, my main, I, I throw a little bit of different seasoning on sometimes, especially when I cook it for Nora, but there's been times when if I just throw it on, on the grill or something along those lines, it's just olive oil, salt and pepper and yeah. like, keep it simple. Keep it simple. Like it, I, I think that is a very underrated uh, situation. All right. I like it, Jared. Yeah. Now let me ask you this one. Cause I asked Rob this and it's, it's fresh. It's still new to me growing up. Who was your favorite WWE or WWF superstar? Ah, oh, man, I honestly didn't watch a whole lot of that growing up. Okay. I'd have to say Hulk Hogan. I yeah. mean, cause, but yeah, I, I never really got into that. Surprisingly. Yeah. Say your prayers and eat your vitamins, all that stuff. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, Jerry. Well, here's here's a here's a great kickoff to to our conversation that we could go with. So you just said five bucks, uh, awesome encounters throughout things. Looking at your coming into 2023, what kind of expectations did you personally have that you were heading into for this year? You know, I honestly didn't really have any. Um, 
you know, I think I'd talked to you about this, but my dad is actually battling cancer right now. We kind of found, found out back in Turkey season. So I didn't plan any big trips. Like I kind of wanted to stay local or within, you know, a few hour drive of, of the house. So, um, I just wanted to check out some new public, um, you know, and be kind of available and close to home for him if, if he needed me. But luckily he's doing, he's doing pretty good right now. So I was able to, to get out, but man, I really didn't have much in the way of expectation this year. I didn't really have any goals. Um, you know, I just wanted to go check some new stuff out. <clears throat> Obviously we talked about, you know, I started in Maryland. I wanted to kind of try that out, just try a bunch of new public and, you know, not really rely on, any kind of, you know, beforehand scouting. I just wanted to kind of go in blind this year with no cameras, stuff like that. And it made it paid off. It was, it, it just turned out to be one of the best, probably the best year I've ever had in terms of encounters with big bucks. Yeah. That's re- that's really cool because I think the aspect that gets lost in a lot of like, obviously social media and what we're all doing and, and having fun and, and, you know, creating content and just getting out there. Like, obviously you work for a hunting company, right? Like, so this is your, this is your livelihood basically. And when you, so it, it could kind of get lost in that where I love that you just kind of pulled it back. Like you said, just to get in there and, and find what's going on like the day of, or, and, and maybe obviously you're hunting that a couple days and figuring things out. And that's, you kind of saw that in that first video of, of Maryland. And for me, this was my first time hunting Maryland. I'm sure you've been there and, and had opportunities there in the past, you know, just being right next door uh, to, to, for you, you know, how, how, how did that kind of go for you. And, and I know like, cause earlier on, like I was like, dude, you need to get in those swamps, those little thick areas. And you did, you know, you're like, Hey, I, I was scouting and I've, I found some good signs, saw some good deer already. And, and right before the season or right in the beginning of the season. So, you know, how did things kind of work out for you regarding like that time frame? So Maryland kind of kicked my butt to be honest with you. And I was just back over there a couple, well, last week to try to, you know, capitalize, but it just didn't, work out on a buck. Um, I think I was hunting too deep to be honest with you. So the area that I was hunting, you could use e-bikes on. So I was e-biking two miles back in there, hunting the swamps, hunting the thick stuff and the deer weren't back there. Like the deer were kind of out on the fringes, you know, closer to roads, which really surprised me. So it, uh, I did have an encounter with, with a couple bucks. One in particular was 40 yards from the road. So I, you know, I come pretty close on that deer. I think, um, I kind of walked in blind to this spot midday just to check it out. And there was a white Oak dropping 40 yards from the road and I jumped him up. He had made a scrape in there. There was a bunch of does in there. I actually got set up in a tree. I, I, I ran back to the truck, grabbed my stuff, came back and got set up in a tree with him 80 yards away. And he never saw me and he just never came back to that white Oak. So hunted that evening, hunted the next morning and, uh, ended up shooting a gigantic doe in there. So that was, that was pretty cool. But yeah, as far as the bucks, I'm still, Maryland is the only state that I didn't kill a buck in this year. Yeah. So I might try to make it back over for, for muzzleloader. I don't know. We'll see, but yeah, I kind of kicked my butt. That's pretty cool. I, cause I told, I mean, I only went that one weekend, that opening weekend and, and, uh, kind of regret there was a weekend after I shot, I think my buck and right before I was going to go to Ohio, I just, uh, 
I don't know. Something just came over me. I had a change of heart. Like I was dead set. I was, I had my frame pack all ready to go. Cause I was like, man, if I get into where I'm thinking I, I need to get to, this might be a, a pack out if I have success. And I've kind of liked what I was looking at. And I just wanted to just have an adventure, like whether I saw a deer or not, I just wanted to have some weight on my back and get after it. Uh, something else came up that like the night before. And I remember going into bed that night and I was like, I said to my wife, I was like, Hey, change of plans. And she's like, really? You know, and obviously when you have your wife telling you like, wait, what? Like, really? And I was like, yeah, I just, you know, hey, I, I got it done. I, I have five here. I'm getting ready to go to Ohio. It was like kind of that dad, husband, like guilt thing. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to be gone all day. And then Sunday I'll probably be a waste type of ordeal. But um, I definitely, I, I, you know, I've talked about this before. And Jared, like being the year that you said, you said just a, a family circumstances, you wanted to be kind of close to for your father and all along those lines. I, I've said it before around our area, because you're just West Virginia. We are so lucky to have, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not the Midwest where it's, you know, you know, monster after monster buck. It seems like these great States, but man, like you came killed here, a beautiful buck. There's New York. You know what I mean? Like there's so many great adventures, Maryland. We're, we're lucky that we we're kind of in that Eastern awesome range where we could get to a bunch of places. Yeah, and that's that's what I really like about where I live in North Central West Virginia is I'm an hour from Maryland, I'm an hour from Pennsylvania, hour and a half from Ohio, you know, three four hours from Kentucky. It's like I can be in so many different states really quick, and that 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 was really nice this year being able to hit all those different states just kind of close to home, and the tags are cheap too, so that's right. the nice thing. Yeah. So so to kick off your year though, you were having a lot of success with uh, what what Carl always has a, 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 you know, what he's packing into to hunt deer with. And that's, that's that trad bows. How did that, you yeah. know, what, what got, what kind of hair got up that butt for you? Carl, I mean, just, <laughs> you know, what, seeing his success and I've always loved shooting a recurve. So I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to get a long bow this summer and I'm going to shoot. And if I'm good enough with it, I'm going to take it hunting. And I actually, I picked up on it pretty quick. I was shooting it really well. And, uh, I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm not going to completely ditch the compound, but I'm going to carry it when it makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I had some bucks here at the house that I was after and man, I had some good encounters. Uh, I I had more deer in longbow range this year than ever. And I think I kind of went into the year with that mentality and it kind of carried through the rest of the year, even with the compound, all my shots were super close. So it was a different feel for sure with the longbow. And I honestly had more fun in October just hunting like I used to when I was a kid, just going out and like, I'm just trying to get a deer. Like yeah. I'm just, it doesn't matter what it is. And that was so much fun. Like I had an absolute blast and killed two does at like 10 yards with it. So that was really, really cool. I Jared, that you hit the nail on the head when you said about like, obviously you, you had that different piece of equipment, but you were just hunting a deer. And that was honest to goodness, dude, that was my mentality this year. I, I, my buddy Tom was like, dude, just get, go kill mode. I was like, you know what? Yeah, yeah let's do this. Like I, want to just go have and make experiences that was my thing like that was when i say goal as far as this year uh, i had two number one was make experiences and and to not not tag out in pa again this year as far as like a buck goes so that was i had two main goals and everything else under that was going to just be you know the cherry on top so that was my thing was just go get in on deer have fun and like you said if they're close shots let it rip, you know, make, make an experience, have fun with it. And that's, 
this year was so much fun. I mean, the fact that I, my dad was was uh, my, my brother. He got a bunch of tags. He had he works for uh, well. He he's really close friends with a farmer, and man, he just they have. It just seems like my brother and all these guys. He goes, I swear, when we kill all these deer, the next year there's more. He go, I they just don't understand it. You know, they're just uh, they're like cockroaches basically. Yeah. And my dad starts laughing because my dad missed a decent butt. Well, he hit a, a really good buck, but never recovered it. And he doesn't really like shooting does until maybe like now type of ordeal. That second season, he might go up or behind the house where he lives. But it, uh, there was after one of the last days of rifle season here, when he stopped at the club, the guy was another older gentleman was talking to him and he's like, Oh, you know, what kind of year did your, did your boys have? And my dad's like, man, between the two of them, they killed like 14 deer. (laughs) He's like, they're, they're killing really well, but he goes, I'm, you know, dad here is struggling on the struggle bus, but yeah, (laughs) it's, you know, but again, it's about those experiences and, and man, I, I, I'm excited to, to hear more about, about yours. So where, where uh, after you got those couple dough on your belt, especially using the recurve, and I, you know, elaborate too maybe a little bit as as you said, getting those close encounters, um, like being really close for those shot opportunities. Like where was that first buck uh, f- for you? Um, yeah, so the the two does, um, you know, I really was focusing on white oaks at that point, finding mm-hmm. those those hot oaks that were dropping, and then setting up just super tight to those and. Uh, the, the night that I shot my first one with the longbow, you know, this is the first one with trad gear. So it was, it was pretty special. I had two spikes come in and I'm thinking, man, do I really want to shoot a spike <laughs> for my first one? So I'm sitting there debating. I didn't really have a shot yet. They were kind of in the thick stuff. And right as I'm like, I'm going to shoot whatever gives me a shot. I don't care if it's a spike. This doe comes walking right down the trail, like nice size doe. I'm like, perfect. This is, this is exactly what I want. And she stepped out and I, I made a great shot her on her. And she only went, 40 yards. So that, you know, that gave me a little bit of confidence. And then I I went back out, I think the next week and had a just absolute horse of a doe come in. I mean, she was huge. And again, like a nine yard shot and smoked her too. So it's like, man, this, this stuff is fun. That's the one too, that you, was that the one that you were maybe not planning on shooting? Nope. Yeah, because <laughs> I remember I'm just gonna draw and see how it feels, and I, I settled in on her, and it just the bow just went off like you know perfect, and just smoked her. I'm like, well, I guess it was just meant to be. <laughs> yeah, I re- when you sent me that picture because I think I killed a, a deer that night because I sent that one to you, and you were like, yeah. "Yep," and I shot this horse too tonight. I just remember being like, "Oh my gosh!" Like when I when you sent that one, I I share some photos with uh, our para that does our health and phys ed, uh, in our department. She's ex military. She's a former retired cop and she just helps out. She does a phenomenal job with us all. And, uh, she grew up hunting. She was a sniper in the military, her husband hunts. So it's cool, like to nail in property. So it's cool to show her things and she's interested in, in everything. I always bring in my saddle and show her and all that type of stuff. And, but, I showed her that picture and I just remember her face. Obviously those that, that aren't watching this can't see this, but when I showed it to her, I just remember her being like, Whoa, like, what is that? That's a dinosaur. She, she said, that was a big doe. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I, I'll tell you what the Oaks, uh, I almost want to say, and I said this, uh, earlier where the mistakes that I used to make, I, I tried Ooh. to limit those this year and like really scouted hard, and mm-hmm. doing the 
like finding that that those feed trees along those lines. And honestly, Jared, I gotta give give a lot of that to to you guys for like making me go out there and and obviously number one like help create content for you guys yes. with, with tether because it allowed me to number one get out there more and and do it you know what i mean so that i i actually owe a lot of that success to, to for to that <laughs> that's awesome so tell me let's talk about some of those bucks man because uh, i'm i'm so intrigued and like you said just having that successful year and just that journey that you were on and like we said those expectations of kind of just really not having any right like just going out there and having fun i I guess you could probably say and and making those memories kind of like what we're just kind of really you know alluding to so i guess Mm -hmm. going from there like how how did things play out for you then this year yeah so i we had a big hunt planned with the whole tethered crew in indiana for like the first 12 days of November. So I was like, where do I want to go at the end of October? And Ohio is my first choice. I I absolutely love hunting Ohio. I've had great success over there. So I was like, but I I don't have any access to private or nothing. I was like, I'm just going to go hit a piece of public that I scouted four years ago for like a day. Like I, I didn't even get to scratch the surface on this place. I was like, I'm just going to go back to that, that place and just, figure it out. Right. So, um, packed up my truck and trailer, drove over there. Didn't even know where I was going to camp. Like, you know, this is stuff I just figuring out on the fly. So that, this is kind of the, the theme of this year is just kind of just doing it and just seeing what happens. So I roll over there. The first spot that I wanted to camp was closed. So I had to kind of resort to plan B. So roll down the road, find a spot to camp. There's some other hunters in the area. There was actually, it was a Monday, I think, when I got over there. No, it was a Sunday evening. It was a Sunday afternoon when I got there. So there were some hunters in the area. It was funny. I drove up the road looking for a campsite, and there was two dudes hanging from a tree in a saddle, and they had the Skeletor sticks and everything. So I rolled up, and I start talking to them and gave them some stickers and stuff. It was cool, but... Um, you know, they kind of gave me a little bit of intel and they were having a tough time. They were, you know, having a hard time getting on deer. So that first afternoon, I, you know, by the time I got camp set up, it was about 1130 and there was an awesome cold front. Like it was in the fifties, it was going to get down like 28 that night. And then after that, it was going to warm up into like the mid seventies. So my goal was to be in a tree Sunday night in a spot that I felt confident and so I had marked four spots on the map. And when I'm telling you, I was running to check these spots out, like it, moving through the woods as fast as I could possibly go. The first three spots were duds. There was no sign in them. So the last spot, yeah, I actually hadn't even picked this spot out on the map, but I pulled up on X and it was a long ridge that kind of tapers down. Okay. And right where the ridge gets skinny, it's, it's pines. And then it transitions to kind of bigger, more open pines. They're real big, mature pines, so that they're kind of thick underneath. And right at the end of those on Onyx, you've got the acorn producing layer. And it was showing some oaks right where that transition all happened. And on both sides of that transition was a nice little draw leading down to two more ridge points that kind of sat off down toward the bottom. So I'm like, they could be feeding on those oaks. They could be bedded on either one of those ridge points. So 
I just ran back in there real quick and checked it out. And there was no sign on the ridge top at all. Like you wouldn't even think a deer lived there. Yeah. So I get back to that transition and there's oaks back there. Well, I see one little rub about the size of a pencil. I mean, tiny. I'm like, all right, there's something in here, but you know, that's pretty small. So there's a little drain back there that drops down off the side of the ridge I dropped down in there about 25 yards and it's just like an explosion of buck sign. I mean, scrape, scrape, scrape rubs. And it's all like fresh, fresh stuff. And I'm like, I go. need to see this right now. So I ran back to the truck. I mean, I'm hauling it. Cause it, I mean, it's getting late, grab my stuff, throw my stuff on hike right back in there. And I kind of figured that the deer would come up the draw from one of those two points and I was just splitting hairs with the wind. It was blowing straight down that draw. So I'm hoping that they come off kind of to the side of me and come up. So I had just gotten the tree, just got my stuff settled in. First sit in Ohio public land. A doe comes off the ridge top, flies right past me. I'm like, that's weird. What's she running from? And then I hear behind her. I'm like, oh, oh crap, here we go. <laughs> Pick up my bow see a tall rack buck. And I'm like, I'm shooting him. I'm like, I don't know how big he is, but I'm shooting him. So come to full draw. I had to wait like a minute and a half or so, but he finally walked right out into my opening. At this point I'm in kill mode. Like I didn't look at his rack again, shot him at 12 yards, smoked him. He runs up the hill, 60 yards tips over pretty much. So I'm like beside myself, right? First afternoon, just come into this spot blind shoot a buck so i'm like super pumped (laughs) so i'm sitting there and this is this year i had a lot of strange things happen this was kind of kicked that all off (laughs) i'm sitting there and i hear something walking and i look up and i just see a picket fence of tines i'm like oh my god you've got to be kidding me and this buck walks right in works a scrape walks right into 12 yards and is sniffing the arrow that's sticking in the ground. I mean, just an absolutely gorgeous 10 pointer, probably 140 inch buck, something like that. But yeah, I just had to let him walk off. (laughs) What's, what's sad. And I've, I've unfortunately have been there. I know exactly how that feels. I killed uh, from my 2019 buck when I killed that, that eight pointer, he, he ran up the mountain, which was great. And then I remember hearing him crash, calling my dad, and I just said, I'm, I just want to check. I could see my uh, lighted knock right there. I said, I just want to check the arrow. I'm, you know, you, you think you hear things, all that type of stuff. And it was only like a 10-yard shot, like close encounter, just like you said. And it was just blood everywhere. And when I looked up the mountain, you could see the path that the blood was making. I was like, okay, great. Now, obviously, I was already shaking and had the rushes, and but I climbed back up in the tree. And at this point, I got the cold, like I just got super cold and I'm shaking. So I remember reaching in my backpack, grabbing the real big, thick first light gloves and I, I'm putting them on like no care in the world. And I just hear something snap behind me. And I just remember turning back and looking and Jared, like you said, a big 10 point, super wide. He just looks up at me, no care in the world, just continues to walk, walks right over to that arrow and sm- sniffs it. He stays there. I could have shot him. 50 times oh, it yeah. seemed like and off he walks away i'm like you got to be kidding me like what i and i just remember and i same like you i got in kill mode i didn't know how i saw that he was legal and that was kind of it got in kill mode put the pin where i wanted it i remember walking up to my deer and how excited i was but in the back of my mind i'm going 
my gosh, that one, this one would fit inside the rack of that other one. <laughs> yep, that's that's exactly what happened. I mean, the buck I killed, he was a nice buck, but he's you know one of the smaller ones I've shot in Ohio, but. Yeah. Still super cool. I laugh at it now because it was a, you know, the encounter was awesome. And I, I got a spot for next year. So I'll just have to go back and shoot him next year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll tell you what. So here's a question for you because I, I don't know. Maybe someone would, would be thinking this as well. You know, obviously you, you hear about scouting your way in and, and setting up. And, you know, I know you even did that like in the video of, of Maryland, like, especially in that early season. But here in this story, you talked about like you went in, you scouted and you ran back out to grab your stuff. You know what? You yeah. know what? What is there? Was there a specific reason? Were you just let me check? And then if not, I was driving to another area type of ordeal. What just because I know maybe someone was th- is thinking the same thing that I was. Yeah, so it was a pretty good walk back in there. And honestly, I wanted to just move as fast as I possibly can. So if I have all my gear on, it just slows me down a little bit. And I didn't want to be... I didn't want to be like tempted to set that spot just because yes. I carried my gear. And I, I figured that kind of figured that's what would happen is I would carry it back there and I wouldn't find anything. And then I would just set up. So I was like, no, I'm just going to go check it out. And if there's sign, I'll, I'll go back and get my stuff. So my thought behind sitting it right then, instead of like the next morning or something like that was I've already laid my ground scent in there. You know, these, these deer, if they come through and they catch that scent, they may blow out and might not come back for a day or two. So I was like, I'm just going to sit it that way. You know, if something comes in and they happen to smell it, I'm probably going to get a shot before they, they bust out of there. So that was kind of my thinking there. Yeah. I like that. Cause as soon as you said that, you can see I'm pointing at you because I'm like, yes, that makes sense because I've, I've fought, I've fallen victim to that. Like you bring your thing back here and you're like, I'm already back here. Uh, might as well just throw up a sit and just see what happens, right? And and it's that hope. It's that hopeful sit instead of being that confident sit. So, exactly. all right. Yeah. So that that marks like crazy, you know, situation number one. So you're successful in in Ohio. After Ohio, uh, where where are you are you leading to next? Yeah, so pretty much right out of Ohio. Um, I think I did hunt West Virginia a couple couple days before I took off for Indiana and I had an encounter with a he would have been a great four and a half year old buck but he was he's like he didn't even grow one side it was just gone had him at 12 yards passed him up so that was a cool encounter then the buck that we're after here at the house that we've been after for two years now I had him at 15 yards two nights in a row in the daylight but the hillside he was using to get off out of that bedding is all beech trees and they all had those leaves on them and I could not get a shot at him. So he, he slipped away from me two nights in a row. And then, you know, early season like that, those deer are on a pattern for a couple of days and they're gone. And that's exactly what happened here. So, but yeah, um, after that, we headed to Southern Indiana in the national forest there. And I'm not afraid to say that cause it's absolutely gigantic. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's so much land, like it's just ridiculous, but I was really excited for this trip. You know, this is a this is a series that's going to come out on the Tethered YouTube channel next fall that we filmed while we were there. So we had like 16 dudes in camp, just some of the best hunters in the in this US, honestly. I mean, just some absolute killers. So I was excited because of that, you know, learning from them, just sharing camp with them and then getting to hunt big hill country, which is what I'm used to. So it's like I'm going to a spot where there's big deer and, you know, I halfway know what I'm doing when it comes to hunting hills. So I was really excited going in, into this trip. Take the guesswork out of building your own arrows for this upcoming season by ordering a custom set of arrows from Exodus Outdoor Gear. 
They have developed and sourced literally the most precise archery components on earth to build a tailored arrow for your hunting adventures. Just head over to Exodus's website and plug in your specifications in the arrow builder and have your custom set sent straight to your door. You have two arrows to choose from, one being the MMT arrow, which is a 246 diameter shaft, and the new NIS, which is a 204 diameter shaft arrow. Use code AU to save 15% off your tailored arrow order at exodusoutdoorgear.com. I like that. So here, let's break this down because this is this is where I selfishly have been trying to get better the last couple of years. And, and I always... I always say for me, it's one of my good friends, Tim Seesock, where I've already said this recently on a podcast where he is really good at taking those enormous pieces and breaking them down into little minor chunks and dissecting them, finding things. Okay. Like how, how could each piece really play maybe to a certain time of year? Uh, and on like, what does one favor over the other type of ordeal? So he's extremely good at breaking big pieces down to smaller pieces. And mm-hmm. obviously, like you said, hu- hunting those, the hill country, you, there's that enormous piece of, of, uh, the, you know, the land where you're going in, in, in Indiana. So how did you break that down and get set up for obviously the end goal of, of having a successful hunt? And dude, I, every, anytime I've showed, I showed only two good buddies of mine, that photo and they just were like, Whoa. And I think at that point in time for me, selfishly at one, knowing what you've sent me, I'm like, my gosh, they get bigger and bigger with her deer <laughs> at this point. <laughs> yeah. So the, I mean, the Hoosier national forest is gigantic. And I mean, it's, it's easy to get overwhelmed when you're looking at places like that. But like you said, focus in on a couple spots that you can find. And that's kind of what I hone in on. And that's what I stick with, you know, for the week that I'm there. But when I'm looking at something like that, I'm trying to find as many things coming together in one spot as possible, like four or five different things in one spot. And in this case, I was trying to find terrain that backed up to standing corn. So hunting with Rendell Eric, I don't know if you've had Rendell on or not, but you know, he, he always says corn is King. He's in Iowa. You know, when I hunted out there with him, you know, I learned very quickly that if you can find standing corn that backs up the public, it's generally going to be good. So the first, I really only picked two spots to start and both of them backed up to standing corn and they were both really good terrain features and steep hill country. So the first one, I actually had a buck encounter. I think the, the first morning I hunted it, um, he was, I was 30 yards out of the game. He chased the doe right past me and I was just out of the game. Pretty good buck. And, uh, so a guy on my team that morning had shot a buck and I I went to help him recover it, pack it out, film the recovery, all that. So I had this spot, this other spot marked where it's two big ridge systems that kind of join with one little saddle. And then there's a standing cornfield on private that comes down to an inside corner right at the saddle. And then adjacent kind of off the backside of that saddle, you've got a real thick drain back there on the side of that hill. So it just, it looked absolutely killer. So I, uh, after I helped him get his buck out, I kind of wanted to scout my way into that area. Never been in there before. Like I literally drove down the road and in the bottom by the road was all standing corn as well, backed up to the public. And you got all these ridge points dumping down. I'm like, man, this looks really good too. 
and looking at on X on the top of the Ridge, it's all like CRP. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, man, this looks just absolutely killer. So I started scouting my way into this spot and it's late in the afternoon. So I didn't really have a whole lot of time and I get back to this drainage and it's just destroyed with scrapes. I'm like, Oh man, this looks awesome. So it's CRP drainage. that leads to standing corn. So it's like, it's kind of a no brainer really. Yeah. So I start climbing a tree and I'm like two sticks high and I look up and there's a dude in a tree stand like 60 yards away or he's, he's strapping the tree stand onto the tree. I'm like, tag on it. He beat me into this spot. So I climbed down real quiet and I kind of pushed back in a little bit farther and set up, but I, I really wasn't super happy with my setup that evening. Um, it was really hot. It was like 75 degrees. Wow. So ended up seeing like two does, just a really slow evening. So that evening back at camp, I started looking at that spot a little bit more. And if you push back on that ridge past all that CRP that looks amazing, that's where that saddle is at. That's where that other field is that I assumed could be standing corn, but I wasn't sure. It just looked like it on the map. So I figured the next morning I was like, I'm going to push back into that spot. I've never been in there. It's a mile and a quarter walk. I'm just going to go for it and see how it pans out. So I, I make the hike back in there the next morning. Um, you know, pretty, it went smoother than I thought it would, honestly. Like I, it went too smooth. It's like one of those hunts where everything yep. just goes, it's too perfect. So I get set up in the tree and it's still dark. I have a buck chase a doe past me. I'm like, Oh, this is, it's going to, this is it. This is the morning. So gets daylight buck, buck, buck four different bucks but they crossed the ridge 40 yards higher than i anticipated so i was just out of the game again so i look at on x and i'm like why are they crossing the ridge right there and it's just a real subtle little secondary point that comes up from the bottom on the other side and then they cross the top and they drop right into this real thick drainage that borders that standing corn so I looked at that and this, this was like seven 30 in the morning. It's early, like right after daylight. And I'm like, I need to move. Yeah. I have to pack my stuff and move before a bigger buck does what those, those deer did. So I literally packed up all my stuff as quick as I can walked up 50 yards, found it. There was a, I found a little scrape up there and I was like, all right, this is where those bucks cross. You know, the sign tells me that they crossed right here. So I found the first tree and <clears throat> climbed up and I was relocated within 10 minutes. I mean, it didn't yep, take huge. me any time at all. Yep. So I'm in the new tree. I'm confident. I'm like, man, if a, a bigger buck comes through here, I'm golden. I look down on the edge of the standing corn where I just came from. Nice eight pointer walks out right past the tree <laughs> that I was just in. I was like, yep, that's how this is going to go is there's probably going to be a giant do the same thing. But it was, it was a half hour exactly after I moved. I hear something coming behind me, pull up my binos, shooter, like big buck. So grab my bow. It's one of those situations where he's coming in straight behind me and he's walking right at the tree. And I don't know which way he's going to go. I don't know if he's going to go to my strong side or my weak side. We well, kind of acted like he was going to go off to the weak side. So I go over my bridge, turn around on the platform, at the last second, he decides he's going to come the other way. So I'm all twisted up with the camera arm and my bow and all this stuff. So this deer is walking. He's 10 yards from me, and he's oh he gosh. has no clue I'm in the world. And I just see a picket fence of tines. I'm like, this deer's a freaking giant. 
So I literally come over the bridge, draw, and pivot behind me in one motion, and he stops at 10 yards, has no idea that I'm there. He didn't see any of this movement somehow. I settle the pin. I remember taking my time, you know, breathe, settle, squeeze, squeeze the shot off, and it went way to the right of where I was aiming, like a foot. But it still, like, it looked like it went right through his shoulder. Like, it just made the nice pop sound. And when it hit him, he let out a real deep grunt, like, and then he kind of, you know, I hit him. He kind of trotted off about 60 yards and he stopped. I'm like, he's dead. He's going to fall over right there. He flipped his tail and he just walked off. I'm like, what in the world? So now I'm starting to second guess everything, right? So I didn't get the shot on my main camera, but I got it on the 360 camera and he's 10 yards. So you could kind of see what happened. Yep. Pull up the footage. I'm looking at it frame by frame. Shot does not look good. Way high and forward in front of his shoulder. And I'm like, man, I don't think I killed that deer based on his reaction. And, you know, it looked like it hit top of the shoulder up in his neck. I'm like, that's just a flat, like it's a muscle wound. Like that deer's probably not dead. So I get down, can't find my arrow. I'm like, well, crap, this isn't good. So I walk down to where he stopped. And there's blood everywhere, like foamy blood, like bright paint. I'm like, maybe the shot was a little better than I thought. Maybe I got a lower and took out the windpipe, you know, right. that, that jugular, whatever. So I called Carl and Rendell and, uh, they come up, you know, they hiked all the way in there to help me out, which, you know, I'm super thankful for, but they get in there and we're all excited. Like we think this is a dead deer within a hundred yards. We start tracking we make it about 80 yards and the blood just stops Oh, like what the heck. So we grid searched, tried to, tried to find blood, kind of walked where he was going and he ended up down on this little ridge point and it looked like he had worked a scrape. There was a scrape there that was just all worked out and there was blood in it. Like this deer worked a scrape. <laughs> like he, I don't, I don't think it's a fatal hit. So we got to look in, looked at the footage and looked at my arrow and my lighted knock had exploded on, on release and sheared off right where it joins the collar. Okay. That is why my arrow went a foot high and right of where I was aiming. So that's, you know, another weird circumstance. Yep. Like I've shot that arrow a thousand times this year and it blows up on a, on a big buck. Right. So we go back to camp um, I show everybody the footage. I actually called a few different people. I'll talk to Andy May. I talked to Greg Clements from THP. You know, he's really good with, with hits and stuff like that. And everybody said the same thing. It's non-fatal. That deer's going to be fine. So I'd kind of chalked it up as, you know, I mm-hmm. didn't get this one, but I'm going to go back in there and, and uh, you know, maybe get another shot at a different one or him or whatever. But there was one guy in camp, Dustin Mole. I don't know if you know him or not. No, I don't but he's an absolute killer. Uh, he's the one guy that said, I think that deer's dead, dude. And the next morning I went back into that spot and I'm, I'm sitting there and I just kept thinking of what he was talking about. And it, it something just kept telling me to get down and go push back farther onto this ridge and look at this spot. Like something kept telling me to go over there. So I packed up my stuff, climbed down, and I walked right to that deer. He was dead or dead in the doornail, three hundred yards away. 
dude, that is insane. What what yeah. what what was he telling you that kind of got got the gears going for you? I don't know. Like he, the the hit. If you see it on video, and, and you'll see it, you know, yeah. when it, when the video comes out, it's one of those hits where it's like, eh, it could be fatal. It might not be. It just looked like it was too high up in his neck, but it ended up being a little bit lower, and he was quartered to me just a hair. Yep. And I think that's what saved me is that that quartered me angle. Too. It yeah. ended up being a perfect shot. Like it went through right at the top of the scapula, came out armpit on the other side. Wow. There just there was no blood. So I'm shooting a small fixed blade, you know, cut on contact. In that situation, you know, the penetration was great, but there just wasn't any blood making it to the ground. So right. that's that's kind of what fooled us. And it, as as well as we found after we found the arrow that had passed through there was no blood on it. It was like fat kind of greasy type stuff. Like just everything added up to a non-fatal hit and just kind of fooled all of us. But Dustin was the one guy he's like, man, I think at that angle and everything, I think you, I think he's dead. And he was 100% right. Wow. That's awesome. And I'll tell you what, and and again, not to to sound like a Homer or whatever like that, but man, (laughs) like that shot and that shot opportunity and in that hunting situation of being a little bit 50 yards down, down lower and being able to get down quickly, efficiently and confident in your setup. And again, I don't care what, what setup you're doing. Obviously I'll sit there and I'll tell you until I'm blue in the face, why you should maybe try saddle hunting. But at the same time, that just shows you the confidence that if you are confident in your equipment that you use, there is no doubt about it. You can get down, go where you need to go. Right. And yeah, you get up, you see another buck only where you, where you just were that that's just how, how it goes. Right. But at the same time, that number one, number two, then that deer coming into where he's coming from again, I don't care what anybody says you have a shot up. If that deer is within your radius and as long as there's no tree limbs, no nothing, you have a shot opportunity, right? So being able to swing around and, and, that is the one aspect that I can't stress about enough. And that's why hopefully when people watch those, those clips that I make for, for you guys, when I mm-hmm. say practice those fluid motions, like you said, when you're in your strong side, but you're drawn back and as you're going, you're turning to be in mm-hmm. that shot opportunity. That is key. You can't, you need to yeah. practice that. Yes. You could probably do it. Are you going to be comfortable doing it? Maybe probably not, but the more you yeah. do it, you will be comfortable and it's just yeah. second nature. And then for you, it absolutely is. Yeah. Especially a situation like that where you've got a big buck, buck. coming on a string right to your tree and you don't know which way he's going to go. Like you would be messed up at a tree stand in that situation. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you're sitting in, mm-hmm. but luckily for me, he was, he had his mind on other things and, he wasn't, he wasn't looking up. So, <laughs> yeah. Cause that was my, my next question for you, Jared was going to be like, what, like what has, what went wrong where this year? Cause obviously, you know, we always hear the, the good and, and we see the good, you know, maybe what, what were some challenges that uh, kind of came about? If, if was there anything else other than that situation? Oh yeah. 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 So, yeah. so we'll, we'll get into the, the very next, buck like right after this hunt yeah um you know killed the buck in indiana you know that was awesome great buck um come straight home you know and it's the rut like i'm i'm fired on all cylinders now it's go time so i get home 
I go right to a spot that I've had luck in before. It's a, it's a doe bedding area and these deer filter back in from acorns in the morning. I'm like, that's exactly where I'm going to go. I went in there. It was super cold that morning, like 24 degrees, something like that. It's cold for me, but get set up, had does working their way down into the bedding, just like I planned. And I look up there, stud 10 pointer, beautiful buck, like pushing 140, probably mid 130s, 140, which that's a big deer for around here. I had a half hour standoff with this buck. He would, he was kind of eye level with me up on this ridge and I'm kind of down over in this laurel and he's, he's up on this bank and he's got the high ground on me, which didn't help, but he, he was with a group of does. And when he kind of turned, I snort wheezed at him. And I think we talked about it last year on the, when I shot my Iowa buck, like I rely on a snort wheeze a lot. It's, it's quite a few deer. So I snort wheezed at this buck and definitely got his attention, but he, it's all open hardwoods and he's looking down there and he can't see another deer. So he's curious, but he's really cautious. So I snort wheezed at him once he turned and he started to leave and right as he kind of got out of sight where he couldn't really see where I was at, I snort wheezed at him again and man, he turned and he started coming but slowly but surely, like just being very cautious. So when he got kind of down in the laurel about 40 yards from me and I turned my head and I grunted because there's kind of a roll in the hill down below me and I grunted and that sealed the deal. Like he was convinced that there was another buck down there. So he comes walking in, I come to full draw. I've got my sick head neck gator on the big thick one, right? Yep it tends to kind of get in your way a little bit whenever you've got a thumb release, like I shoot. So he's coming in, he's walking kind of at an angle right at me. I'm like, I'm already at full draw. I'm like, I'm just going to let him keep coming, make it easier on myself. He gets to 22 yards. He's just quartered to me just a little bit and he's wide open. So I stop him and I had already kind of settled into my anchor, but that net gator was still up a little bit too high so I guess my fingers must have been frozen from holding the release for a half hour because it was, you know, 24 yep. degrees. I must have been putting a little bit more pressure on it than I thought. When I pushed that net gator down, my bow went off, and I was not ready, like, at all. Yeah. The pin wasn't even on him. The bow goes off. Arrow sounds like it smokes a rock, and the buck just takes off. I'm like, I'm so pissed. pissed. Yep. Like, just I'm so mad. This is like the biggest West Virginia buck I've had a chance at with a bow, and I just completely blew it. So I think that I'm missing, but I'm looking at my arrow sticking in the ground, and it looks like there's blood on it. I'm like, man, this probably isn't good because it was it was really low. So I, I look at the 360 footage again, and I definitely hit him. Like he ducked so far that when he ducked and he was quartered to me a little bit, he had his legs spread apart and it looked like it went in like the front of his brisket. And I'm at this point I'd switch broadheads and I had a big cut on contact, like big sucker on there. (laughs) Maybe I got that jugular or something. And you know, maybe, maybe I got him. So I got down and dude, the blood trail was crazy. Like tons of blood. I'm like, I think I killed this deer. I ended up tracking this deer. I think I shot him at eight 30 I tracked him for over two miles, just dumping blood. I got into a bedding area with him and jumped him up and he started bleeding again, like spraying blood, like not just drops blood, right. like arterial, like spray. And I'm like, I hit something 
major in this deer. So I tried to push him. I chased this freaking deer. I don't know how far a long ways. <laughs> and then the blood just kind of started tapering off. So I actually, I called the track right at dark, tracked him all day, went back the next morning, tracked him another mile and the blood finally just, he never bedded again, blood dried up. So I think probably caught the back of that leg right at the brisket, you know, yeah. caught that, that artery or that vein in there or whatever. But that one got away from me because I, you know, I shot too early because of my freaking neck gator. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild though. Two like, man, they are so freaking tough. Uh, this year really reminded me of how tough these deer are. And we ain't even got to the rest of the deer yet where, you yeah. know, that is very apparent, but yeah, to keep going on that story. So I tracked that deer for two days, didn't get him, um, assumed that he, you know, probably lived through that. So I have a, a rut funnel that I only sit at like one time a year, okay. like that, that third week of, of November, like that the week before rifle season here in West Virginia is like the best time to be in the woods. So I, uh, actually I sat that spot in the evening and passed up a 115 inch 10 pointer that he's a, he's a three-year-old. I've got a lot of pictures of him. I decided I, was, I wasn't going to shoot that deer beginning of the year. And that's a hard deer for me to pass. Yeah. I'll just be honest with you. He walked, came right through that funnel, right past me. Could have shot him super easy. So I was like, well, I'm going to try this spot the next morning. I've never hunted it in the morning. So it's basically two ridge points that, you know, yep. tips into the points are my fingers. And there's a kind of a high wall in this drainage that they have to go around. It's like straight up and down sheer drop off. So you got bedding on those two points and it's just a perfect travel corridor. And the wind is always works perfect in this spot. Like it's just a killer setup. So I go back in there the next morning and immediately deer up underneath me. I had a button buck underneath me, two button bucks. And a doe comes flying out of the bedding off that point, runs right past me. I look behind her dandy eight pointer, definite shooter. Like, all right, here we go. He's going to follow her. I'm going to smoke him at 20 yards. Well, he ends up, he's down in the bottom and he's chasing another doe around. So I snort wheeze at him. And he stops and man, he's looking and I've got this button buck right underneath me. And I'm like, this is perfect. Like yeah. I've got a decoy. So he chases that doe around a little bit. And I snort wheeze at him again. And man, he's getting pissed. Like he lays his ears back and he's just standing there. So I'm like, if I can get this button buck to run up the hill, I think that this buck will come up here. So I swung around the tree on purpose. So this button buck would see me. He's right underneath me. It worked perfect. The oh button buck saw me runs up the hill. And as he's running, I grabbed the grunt call like a buck chasing a doe. That was all it took. That sucker laid his ears back. He come marching right up there and he's 14 yards. I'm already at full draw. Like he, either way he goes, I got a shot and he starts to get nervous. Like my thermals were kind of dropping down to where he was at. And he took a step backwards like a buck does when they're getting ready to leave. And he turned quartered to me. And I mean, at 14 yards, fixed blade, I'm not afraid of that shot right. one bit. I tucked it in right in front of his shoulder. I mean, just absolutely smashed him. And he ran 38 yards and was dead in like eight seconds. <laughs> Dude, that is awesome. The fact that like, 
<laughs> on the fly, Jared, that you could come up with that. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I'm sure there there's amazing hunters that could also do that, but to have that going on in your mind to, to, to do that, dude, that is freaking impressive. That is awesome. Because I mean, we're sitting there, we're trying to mimic a deer, like, a, like you said, like that, and you actually have it. And then, okay, I'm going to spook this deer to run up there while he's running burr, 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 and then swing around and be ready to kill this deer. That is freaking awesome. Yeah. That, and I got all this on video and it's, it's, it's probably the best video I got. Oh yeah. I mean, I got the kill shot perfect and everything. So, but the cool thing about this buck, I knew he was a good buck when I shot him, you know, heavy chocolate racked eight pointer. And when I walked up to him, I immediately knew which deer he was. I've had him on camera the last three years and I have a match set of sheds off of him. That's cool. And this was the oldest buck that I killed this year. Like he was, he could be six and a half. Yeah. You know, his teeth are, teeth are worn flat and he's 112 inch eight point, just a heavy, just a beautiful mountain buck, like yep. just an awesome buck. But you know, I, I hadn't been running cameras or nothing in there. I had no idea he was around. Like he just, he just showed up and I pissed him off and man, he come strolling right up there. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so two things about that hunt, right? Obviously it's West Virginia. It's your, it's your home state. It's, you know, in your backyard of you're familiar with, I, you, you weren't running cameras. Like you said, you were just kind of, you know, you going with what, what, you know, and, and having fun with that. But the importance of knowing where the doe groups are, the importance mm-hmm. of, like you said, that rut funnel. And, yep. you know, like you said, you mentioned earlier, the, how you, you use snort wheezing as, as one of your main t- calling tactics. That is something yep. over the last couple of years that I've grown to use. And I think it's really important that, and you killed, you killed, I could be wrong. You killed a, a couple of years ago, that really nice Ohio buck by doing that. Like, yep. uh, like I know yep. you like with that snort wheeze where you, I've had a, a either a blown opportunity or whatever, it, whatever it be, but, uh, or just an, uh, another almost opportunity when a deer starts walking away like that after mm-hmm. snort wheezing and you think it's not interested Man, when you give him that one more where you make him second guess and piss him off, and man, like, I just, I've seen that work more times than anything else. A hundred percent. Like, it, it's, it's crazy how effective it is in the right situation. Like, it's not going to work on a, a younger deer, I don't right. think. Because you know, a less dominant deer, it's it's not going to work. Right. But a bigger, more mature buck, and you're challenging him in his territory. And then I, the key is, is they can't see what's around you. They've right. got to have. They have to come check it out. Like you know, that's that's the key to everything. If it's big open hardwoods and they can see everything, right. the chance of them coming down there is pretty much none. But if they've got some kind of terrain in between, you know, where they're here and that they're generally going to come check it out. Yeah. yeah. And that's, and like I said, I've seen like with my own eyes and like whether I'm farther away and they might come in a little bit, they get interested. And then for whatever reason, they're not interested. They're like, Oh wait, that, that doe was where and, and picking up that scent. And yeah. as soon as they take a couple more steps and you, I hit that, that next snort wheeze, then they're like, who is do you know, it's just like, it yeah. like refreshes <laughs> them again of like, okay, I was going over there for a particular reason. And, and, you're like I said, like you're one of the main persons, individuals that I've know known that has had a lot of success doing that. But the more time, like I've tried it, I have success. Even like you said, like even those younger deer, not so mm-hmm. much because 
they're they're yeah. like i'm gonna get my tail kicked here like well, why yeah. you know what i mean but and the importance of like you said not it being in the wide open it's but man that is uh that's that's my kind of go-to call as well yeah and it's just you have to read the situation right you know kind of have to read that deer's body language and how he's acting and you know all these deer are different they all act mm-hmm. different so you know you kind of have to you know just see what happens sometimes with them but man i'd have to add up how many like big mature bucks i've shot by doing that but the those two in particular the 10 and the 8 that i shot i think i snort wheezed at those bucks three times a piece yeah like just super aggressive as loud as i could do it i do it with my mouth yep but i mean it, it didn't work the first time but the the third time was the kind of the clincher <laughs> so here's here's the one aspect that i want you to you know think about too and why i i'm i am extremely thankful one for for our friendship and and also being able to for you to be detached from from specific hunts that night that i had that encounter with the maryland buck mm-hmm. it was it was raining and when it was starting to slow down I I gave out like a little calling sequence and this is in September dude like this isn't you know what I mean like I just wanted another buck to know like if the, if the scrape that I found was the size of my little desk that I'm on right now which is the size of a car hood and I just remember yeah. walking by and I saw that and again I saw this little trail coming out of this thick patch and it was coming up over this ridge the way the wind was blowing I was like, I'm setting up facing that because I'm going to kill a deer before it gets there. And that deer Mm -hmm. came from my weak side, like just total opposite direction Mm -hmm. where I was anticipating. But as that rain was lightening up, I gave a little couple grunt calls and I did do a snort wheeze. Mm -hmm. And then like, that's why I was so fixated on that spot. Like I was looking through and trying to find the the legs through that movement. Mm -hmm. And then that's when something told me to look right. And he was already right there. And it was like, it is September. Like, what was that? September... Yeah, it was early, um, early, right? Do you know what I mean? Like, so two weeks, remember, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, at that point in time, I'm not saying I that's what brought him in. I, I don't know. Mm. Like, there was other features to that, but well, that it wasn't. I'm telling you, Jared, it wasn't that much longer after I did that little calling <laughs> sequence. Yeah, I mean, it's in a situation like that, especially early season when it's thick, and you know these deer can't see very far. You know, you can't see very far; they can't either. Um, Especially if you're set up in an area like that where there's a big scrape like that, uh, you know, I'll do the same thing. I'll let out a couple grunts. I'll thrash a tree, mm-hmm. you know, try to get, you know, if that buck's within hearing distance and that he's already wanting to be at that scrape, I mean, there's a good chance he's going to come over there and check you out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we had Maryland hunts. We, we, we've had Ohio success. We've had Indiana success. We've had West Virginia success success. So there's three of the five deer so far. Where, where, where to next, dude? All right. So the next one was opening day of rifle here in West Virginia. And that morning we had a weird Northeast wind, which we don't typically get this time of year. And I think I might've texted you this. I don't remember or not, but I remember you saying Northeast is the best or something along those lines. But I'm, I'm looking at all of my spots and I'm like, where the heck can I go on a Northeast wind? And I've got access to a property, a county over where I killed a really big 10 pointer two years ago. And there's a spot back there. I actually hunted it the first day last year and had a buck encounter. And I pulled up Onyx and I'm looking at it. I'm like, man, that spot sets up 
perfect for a northeast wind. You've got a pasture field to the west. You've got kind of thick, like CRP, brushy grass stuff to the east. And then you've got these two ridge points that come out of the, like the, the northeast, yep. you know, perfectly in line with the wind. And then in between those is a bunch of buck bedding that I'd found like last year. So I was like, man, this spot sets up perfect for, for the wind, for the bedding, for everything. I was like, I'm just going to go in there and I'm going to throw a spot at this or throw a set at this spot. And again, I hadn't run any cameras in there. So I had no idea what was around, but the one day I was in there, I think I went in there in like mid October and looked around, but never hunted it. But I found some rubs in there that were, you know, this big, big brow time gouge marks in them. I'm like, there's a good buck in here for sure. But you know, again, no cameras, so didn't didn't have any photos. So I was like, I'm just gonna go throw a sit at that spot and maybe he'll come through. So I hike in there, get set up. It's super cold that morning. The wind is perfect, coming right down, right down the ridge like I planned. And I could hear something walking down in that draw, but it was just a little too dark. I couldn't see. So I'm looking down there and I'm looking, and I finally catch movement and I see just big tall rack, like immediate shooter so i pull up my gun he's standing there and he's kind of quartered to me but i could see his whole neck i could see his shoulder like wide open shot at 65 yards pull up the gun put it on him pull the trigger and the trigger was just like spongy like nothing happened i'm like what the heck so my bolt wasn't closed all the way is what had happened so the bolt was halfway open and when i pulled the trigger the bolt just closed and release the firing pin, but the gun didn't go off. So when I went to jack the shell out of the gun, it didn't pull the round out of the chamber. Like it was stuck in there. So I'm trying to force another round in and it won't go. I'm like, (laughs) what the hell is going on here? Like I'm freaking out. And this deer's just standing there looking at me 65 yards. So I got the gun upside down, shaking it, trying to get, and it's rattling. Like all the shells are rattling like crazy in this thing. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. So I finally figured out that the round was still in the chamber. So I pushed, you know, this, this gun doesn't have a mag. It's just, you just feed them in from the top. Mm -hmm. So I pushed the other rounds down with my finger and I shoved the bolt forward. And when I pulled it out, it flipped that round out of there and I jacked the other one in and he was still just standing there looking at me. It probably sounded like rattling antlers or right, something. Me right. All these shells in the gun, but he was standing there looking at me. I could see the one side sticking out from behind the tree and it's just big, tall. And I could see big, long brow. And I put it on his shoulder and just hammered him, just dropped him right there. Jeez. I'm like, you've got to be freaking kidding me. Like, seriously, <laughs> I didn't know how big he was. I was like, this deer might be 150. I don't know. Like he's right. big and tall. So I'm like, you know, I send a video to my buddies and they're like, they're like F you, you know, you send them. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I just shot all these other bucks. I get down to him and man, he's just a stud of an eight pointer, like beautiful eight pointer, nice tall brows, tall tines, just an awesome buck. And, uh, turns out, which I didn't realize this until like two days ago, I passed that buck up last year, no way. Um, like toward the end of the first week of rifle season up on top of that ridge. Um, I'd sat up there one evening and he came out and super nice eight pointer. And I was like, man, not quite what I want to shoot. You know, I've already killed a couple other good bucks. So I'll just, I'll let him go. And my buddies kind of gave me hell for, for passing that buck up and turns out I ended up, I ended up killing him anyway. And he was a lot bigger. So <laughs> 
<laughs> That's awesome. Dude, it's it's amazing how, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure when you, you and I were talking, I was like, man, that east-northeast wind, uh, it just, it, this year it's been working. Uh, and and in, yeah. in years past, like I said, I know uh, Jake Hofer was one individual that really put that on the, the map as far as like hip saying, man, when I have a, an, an east wind, I'm killing. And it's just like yeah. year after year, it, it happens. And, you know, I talked to someone else too recently where they're like, you know, if you have a, a predominant west wind for four days mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it just switches, I don't, he, they don't care what direction it is, deer are moving because yep. deer got to move to, yep. to change now either bedding locations and the way they're gonna, going to access their food, whatever it be. So deer are moving, right? So, yep. oh, man, that's, that's awesome. And it's just amazing. Again, for how for how perfect on the outside your season has looked, <laughs> it's far from I've it. Had more more equipment failures, and dude, another thing that happened that I don't even know if I've told anybody about my sight on my bow. Um, I come back from a hunt. It was actually after I missed that that ten or I hit mm-hmm. that ten. I came back and I'm like, all right, I want to shoot my bow and make sure I'm good. I shot. It was like a foot and a half high at 20. I'm like, what is going on here? Like this is, I've never had stuff like this happen to me. Right. And here the, uh, where the bracket mounts to the carbon bar, you know, that mounts yep. to the riser. It, I don't know if it's like, it's got one bolt in it, but I think it's like epoxied on there. It's a red line RL2, I think. But that epoxy bond had broken and my whole scope housing would do this but it was kind of tight. Like it, yeah. it took some force to move it, but it was pushed down. And that's why I was shooting a foot and a half high. So once I pushed it back up, it was dead on. So I'm like, you can't make this stuff up. It's like, I mean, I'm, you know, I use my equipment, but I'm not like hard on it. You know, I, I take care of my stuff, but it's like this crazy stuff just keeps yeah. happening to me. <laughs> like it, like but, you said, man, it's just, Hey, but you stay calm. You know, you, you've, you've done it before. I honestly, I know you've told it and we've already told another story, but I still can't get over the, the, your, your, the bow buck from West Virginia by you using that, that young one as a decoy and just going through that. Like to me, do that, that just shows me like, I've, I, I put you already up on the pedestal. I mean, I'll off air. I don't want to make it so people think that I'm just brown nosing because I'll, I'll have to send you some, some funny things because I could go out on a limb, Jared, and I, I have it here with, with my buddy Tom. I was like, dare I say it? I said, Jared Schaefer just sur- uh, surpassed Andy May in my book. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> no. I, I want to be like Andy when I grow up. Yeah. Maybe that's why I'm trying so hard, but no, nah, it's – I'm just stubborn and I don't give persistent, up. Persistent, <laughs> right? That's, persistent, man. That's, I know that's, that's me, but dude. And then yeah, you, dude, you came to PA and you smacked a, you smacked a good one. And this is the one I'm proud of. Like, yeah. I'm really proud of this one because the man, uh, like, and this one didn't go perfect either. Like, <laughs> we'll get into it in this story. Like, just another crazy circumstance, but. Uh, I based this whole hunt on the wind. I picked this spot based on what the wind was going to do for that week. It was going to be super cold, like in the teens, snow and 20 mile an hour West wind. I'm like, man, this is going to (laughs) suck. But I found, I found this North South running Ridge and it's a big ridge, big, steep, 
long ridge. Like it runs for probably a couple miles. And that's, that's a lot of, you know, same type of stuff we run into here in West Virginia, right. in Pennsylvania, you get these big long ridges. And in that, in that situation, I'm looking for like the, the biggest, nastiest, steepest drainage I can find on the side of that mountain. And this, this ridge had it like it had a, a real steep. There was two drains that come off the side of the mountain and it meets into this big drain and the drain kind of turns into like rhododendron laurel. And then at the bottom, it's all laurel and pines. And then up the other ridge is all clear cut. Yep. So I'm like, this spot has got to be good. And it's, it's a hike to get in there. I mean, so I actually ended up finding a spot to camp on top of the East Ridge, the Ridge that runs parallel to the one I wanted to hunt. So I was like, man, I can camp right there and just walk from my truck and not have to drive anywhere. Like this is going to work perfect. So the first evening I got there on Monday evening, this is the second week of Pennsylvania rifle season, get there Monday evening. My goal was to just get to that Creek bottom so I could see what that hillside looked like. So it, you have to go through a clear cut to get to it. So I go through this clear cut, find my way down through there. It's pretty thick, but not too bad. And dude, there's freaking giant rubs in there. I'm like, all right, I think, I think we're going to be in business on there. There's some good deer in here. So I get to the bottom and there's a climbing stand right on the edge of the clear cut. I'm like, it kind of makes sense. I'm a half mile from the, from the road. It's fairly easy to get to So I'm So that just tells me right there, there's probably been somebody in here this past week and these deer are going to be pushed up onto this next ridge on, you know, you got to cross a Creek, which is not hard, but I mean, you still got to be careful getting across it. You got to cross a Creek and then up a super steep hillside, you know, to get to the elevation where these deer are at. So I'm like, I, I kind of figure they're pushed back. I don't think they're going to be at the top of the Ridge cause it's super windy and cold. They're going to be at that lower elevation where they've got some thermal cover out of the wind like this was my whole game plan so that evening uh you know i didn't go across the creek i just wanted to see what it looked like so hiked out of there didn't find a better way to get in and out like it's just sucks it's straight up and it's right through that clear cut so it wasn't a whole lot of fun so it's freaking freezing cold and i'm camping at the top of the ridge and i mean it's blowing snow and i've got my little cargo trailer camper it doesn't have any heat in it so my door is like frozen shut all my water's frozen like it's freaking freezing cold i'm like what am i doing man this is so dumb <laughs> but i'm like i want to have a good adventure in pennsylvania and this I'm, go. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna freeze to death, but I'm gonna do it. So the 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 next morning, my plan was to get to the creek bottom at daylight and watch that hillside. So I get down there, I'm watching the hillside and saw several deer um and a couple bucks, you know, small bucks. They weren't legal, but I was like, all right, there's there's some deer in here. So that evening there was kind of a ridge point that comes off that main ridge and there's a drainage to the south and a drainage to the north and half the deer i saw went one way half went the other way and i was like well i'm gonna i'm gonna hunt this southern drainage just to see what i see and it was absolutely brutal i mean it had to have been wind chill close to zero i mean it was freezing cold and i I ended up getting in a tree that morning at about 10:30, and I sat till dark and that wind was hitting me in the face 
all day long. I mean, it was just brutal. I ended up seeing six does and a spike, I think. Like, all right, so saw some deer, just didn't see a buck. So my plan for the next morning was to do the same thing, start in the creek bottom, and then after sitting for a couple hours, work my way to the north drainage. That was like the main spot I wanted to check out, but I wanted to have like a whole day to get back in there. So set up in the creek bottom, saw a couple does. Again, I think it was the same doe group that I saw the night before. There were six of them. So let them feed off. I got down at about 9 o'clock and started scouting my way back into this spot. And it's about a mile and a quarter back there. It's it's a pretty good little hike. So I start getting back in there and not really much sign, not seeing much. And then I get to the – there's a little knob that was all red oaks that dumped off into this drainage that I wanted to hunt. I got up on that knob and there was a big fresh scrape in the snow that one had just made that morning. I'm like, all right, here we go. We're in the game now. Cause anytime I've found scrapes like that in late November that are fresh, it's generally a a good size buck. Right. And in experience anyway. So before I even got in the tree, there was a doe feeding on the side of the drainage spotted her she had no idea i was there i'm standing there like in the wide open timber and a little fork horn comes walking right past me like 10 yards never he never saw me just walked right past me I'm like all right it's got this good spot you know so i pick a tree get set up I had a couple does come up out of the drainage kind of right where i planned on i'm like man this is this is going pretty good and it was like five o'clock it was getting you know, last light and a doe comes flying up out of the drainage behind me. You know, there's a little secondary drainage behind me. She comes flying up out of there and behind her, I see another deer. I'm like, it's gotta be a buck. I pull the gun up. I didn't even pull the binos up cause he was running and I just see wide, heavy rack. I'm like freaking shooter, like for sure. <laughs> so he, the doe kind of comes up the hill and she turns and goes back down and he turns like he's going to follow her. And I'm right. like, I've got, like seconds to shoot to get a shot off. So he's like hard, hard quartered away from me at 60 yards, almost facing away from me, you know, shooting a rifle. I'll take that shot. All day. <laughs> so I put it on him and I shot and I can tell that I hit him, but it didn't knock him down. So I jack another round in and he's running and I shoot again. And like a second after I shot, he went down, he was on the ground. I'm like, Yes, freaking did it. Got him. And he's laying there and I can see him. You know, I can see his back end and I'm holding the gun on him for a couple minutes, making sure he's not getting up. So I pulled the gun down and I turned around to look at the camera or something and I hear a deer running. And I turn around and he's running off of the ridge. I'm like, you gotta be freaking kidding me. Oh my gosh. I'm only like two sticks high. So I literally jump out of the freaking tree. I'm like, I'm gonna get a second shot on him. I get over to where he was at. There's blood all over the ground. I get in this little drainage and he had been on the ground sliding down the hill. I'm like, this deer's dead. Like he's hurting bad. I get to the bottom of that drainage and then he's, he's on his feet and it's just running tracks. I'm like, what the heck? And at this point, like I've got my headlamp, it's getting dark. I've never been in this spot before. Like, I don't know where I'm, you know, I know where I'm at, but it's like in the dark, everything just starts to look different. Yeah. Everything looks the same. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm following blood and I get to the edge of the ridge where it just drops straight off. And 
it didn't look like he went over it, but there's a deer trail that kind of parallels the side of the ridge. So I'm like, well, he either went one way or the other. So I go one way, no blood. Go the other way, no blood. I'm like, what the heck? Like this deer, like he was on the ground sliding, like he's hurt bad. Right. So I was like, you know what? Like I'm, instead of risking it and getting back in here and getting turned around and my headlamp dies and all this stuff, it's like, I'm just going to back out and play it safe. So I go back to camp and I'm talking to all my buddies and everything. And they're like, dude, that deer's dead. There's no way. And I'm, I'm thinking the same thing. I'm like, he's got to be dead. There's just no, no freaking way that he survived that shot. So, you know, I was comforted a little bit, you know, was fairly confident that he was dead, but there's still that thought in the back of your mind, you know? So next morning, get up super early, hike back in there and, you know, I'd marked the blood. I left my hat there so I could find it. But uh, what he had done is he had started down that deer trail and then he just dumped off the side of the ridge, like straight down. And once I found that, like I just missed it in the dark because, you know, it's hard to see, but his running tracks and then I'm going toward the Creek and I'm like, this is a good sign. He's going downhill, like straight downhill toward the Creek. So I get down to the Creek and I'm looking and there's blood all over the ground where he had laid down right there. And I see something laying in the Creek and I pull up my binos. I'm like, man, that looks like a deer, but I don't see its head. And then I looked over to the left and I see the big side, five point side sticking out of the water. Like he was submerged in the freezing cold Creek, like just completely submerged. But I freaking got him. You got him, dude. (laughs) Oh, what a, that one. Out of all your deer, I mean, obviously from Pennsylvania, it, you know, it, it it hits home obviously for me, but that deer was just beautiful. I, I just, oh, like, every, like everything about him was just picture perfect. Like they're the ones that get the drawings and the paintings of, that's him. Yeah, perfect, symmetrical, mass, super dark you know, he probably living in that laurel. So it was just super dark, dark. rack, but yep. man, just, just a beautiful buck. I mean, and I, I didn't know how big he was when I shot him. Like I just saw, you know, definite shooter, shooter. Yeah. but I was, I was pleasantly surprised whenever I walked up on him. He's a freaking dandy. That's awesome. <laughs> what an experience that one, like you said, just freezing 20 yeah. miles an hour. And you know, here's the one aspect that I love to going back to what we were saying earlier about practicing and, and maneuvering and being confident in your equipment I find gun hunting super simple and easy to do oh, yeah. w- with the saddle. And like you're saying, being yeah. two sticks high, sometimes that's all you need. Sometimes all you need is one stick in the platform just to be over that brush. Cause you got to yep. figure, depending on where you're hunting at this point in time, there's nothing on the leaves. And if you're, yeah. if the, the brush is your, now your cover. So you being yeah. up high, you're going, you might stick out a lot more compared to being a little bit lower to the ground. Yeah. And that honestly, that's one of my tactics during rifle season is I'll carry two sticks with me and a platform and, you know, I got the saddle on and I'll just take off walking. And if I find a spot that I like, you know, I'll post up for a little bit and I've killed several bucks doing that. And I think it just helps getting you up off the ground just so you could see a little bit better. Like, you know, I, I know a lot of guys will take off walking like that and just sit on the ground or whatever like that, but man, you just can't see very well. Right. You know, and having all your stuff in the tree with you and it just, man, it, it's a freaking killer tactic for sure. Yeah. I like that. So, you know, you said that was one that you were really most proud of. Like, what was your takeaway as to like why that was one that really meant a lot to you? 
Yeah, just going into a, a brand new spot. Like I've I'd never stepped foot on this place. And I picked that spot based on the wind and the surrounding what was going on around it. I kind of predicted what the pressure was gonna do to the deer and what they were gonna do with the the heavier wind and the cold. And man, it just worked out yeah. absolutely perfect. I mean can't beat yeah. that. Can't beat, can't beat that man. So here, here's the the last question regarding that one. Did the wind actually do what it said it was going to do? <laughs> yeah, it yeah. actually did. Yeah, I mean, it was just ripping down that ridge the whole time. So, but yeah, that that buck and that doe come out of that bottom. So they were, I assume they were bedded down in there right. somewhere. It's pretty thick down in there. But yeah. So yeah, to kind of to kind of reflect, Jared, on all all your season, you know, key some key takeaways you know, maybe one, two, three takeaways from collective from, and I know you're still getting after right now with that, you know, that one that's been a thorn in your, in your, in your butt and at home. But like if that hunt say, say to your season ended tonight, what, what are you able to reflect on and take away uh, from the season? Yeah. Just, just reading each situation. Like every, every hunt's so different. Um, you can't go into it with the expectation that it's going to be just like it was yesterday. So just, just picking up on those little things, um, you know, and, and basing your hunt around that, you know, even, you know, all these bucks that I killed, I had no idea they were there. I had never been in these spots before. Like I'm just figuring it out, like as it happens in real time and just being able to pick up on those little details, um, you know, based on the wind, based on cover, you know, it's, it's different in every situation, but then being aggressive enough, um, like with my calling, for instance, being aggressive with the calling that made that hunt on the West Virginia buck. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just a, it's a bunch of different things, honestly. And, you know, like the, the Indiana buck pulling all my stuff out of the tree at seven thirty in the morning and moving, you know, yeah. 50 yards. You know, just just being confident in in my setup enough to do that. Um, just reading the terrain and the the surrounding cover. You know, on on Onyx, and just being confident. You know, to go right in there and just just hunt it like I've known it you know, all my life. You know, just go in and just do it. Yeah. So you know, the, like hearing that, you know, I'm taking that away is just you know letting it rip. Like, don't be, don't let, don't leave anything out there, you know? And that's, that's the yeah. one aspect where I, if, even if Jared was, did not have success with five different bucks and cause I've been there, right? Like I personally struggled those last couple of years, like everything just seemed to work right this year. And, and you have those times, but when you are able to reflect and, and know that you're just letting it all out there and, and having fun, man, you're, you're able to take so much away from that. And that's, that's what I like hearing that, like you said, switching spots and uh, trusting yourself and just doing all those different things and having the success and, and knowing when your gun jams, staying calm, cool and collected. And if that deer would have went up and ran away, okay. Like you're going to just move on to the next one or to the next spot. Like that's, that's, that's what it is. Yeah. And you know, don't, I think a lot of guys are just too careful, you know, they, they're just a little bit too careful, you know, go out and have fun with it and take some risks because man, that's, I'm telling you, that's where I, that's when I kill 
that's when I kill the good ones is when you, you take a risk where you're like, Oh, I'm either going to blow him out or I'm going to kill him. Yeah. And if it, if I blow him out, I'll move on to the next one, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the attitude you have to have. I mean, just go for broke. And I mean, I, I do that pretty much every sit. I mean, I go for broke. If I screw it up, there'll be another one somewhere. Yep. Yep. I mean, heck, even like some of those ones where, uh, you know, again, cause it's documented like with Maryland, like when those, you know, just seeing how cool it was when you and Rob are up in the tree and those does caught your wind and they're just blowing it. You're like, okay, like it's, that's deer hunting. <laughs> it's, yeah. it, it was yeah. cool. We got on deer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's better than walking in there. Like you said earlier on, two miles back, riding your bikes and trucking through all that, you know, the hotness, the, the bugs, all that jazz, and going yeah. back there and being like, I didn't see anything. That's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. But yeah. And I think a, a, another takeaway, too, is kind of pushing through even though you have that stuff that goes wrong. Like I had, you know, that buck in Indiana, I was pretty down on myself that evening because I thought that I'd lost that deer. And – you know, the next morning I didn't want to go up and or I didn't, I didn't want to get up and go back in there. Yeah. Like I just wanted to go somewhere else. I didn't even want to hunt, Yeah. but I was like, you know what? I'm going to go back in there. I'm going to sit and observe and listen. And, and then I ended up finding that buck Yeah. and then, you know, like the gun jams, whatever, you know, this stuff's not easy to do. I mean, yeah. your public land, you know, kind of doing it yourself, you know, stuff's going to go wrong. Uh, perfect example. And this is a hilarious story and hopefully it won't take too long, but I went back to Maryland, like I said, last week and it was a total crap show. Like, <laughs> like just, it did not go well at all. Like I found a big buck. I'm pretty confident I could go in there and, and kill him if I could figure out how to get in there. But I, I almost got in the middle of a drug deal or something at 6am in the public land parking lot that was sketchy as all get out. I ended up hiking into this spot blind, you know, thinking, well, I've done it this many times this year. I'm going to do it again, go in blind on the side of this mountain and kill a big buck. So I, I went in probably a little overconfident in this situation. So I ended up finding a good set of buck tracks in the snow. I'm like, I'm going to snow track this buck and kill him. And like, this is going to be an epic end to the season, right? <laughs> Not end up that way. Like I got back on the side of this mountain following this buck track and I had pushed through a bunch of rhododendron that was had like six inches uh, of snow. in. And I get back in there like a mile and a half and lost the buck track, found some great sign. Like it was a good spot, but then I'm like, I don't know how to get out of here. So I need to find my way out in the daylight. Like I can't stay here till dark. So I ended up at the top of the mountain trying to go around this drainage and it was nothing but rhododendron, like just as thick as like I could not get through it. Then I got up in the middle of that and I got cliffed out, you know, cliff side that I couldn't get over. So I ended up backtracking a half mile and then just plowing through this rhododendron all the way to the truck. <laughs> By the time I got back to the truck, I was like, I'm done. I'm not hunting public land ever again. This is the end. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That's, rhododendron's the worst. I mean, it. I just, uh, that's like that and we call it shit rock. Like when you have that and just shit rock all over the place, it, it's like. That's right. exactly what was yep. it was all that slanted big giant boulders covered moss yep. and then rotated and then it had snow on top of it like it was not a fun time yeah, yeah no thanks all. no thanks that would have been the one where you had been like hey jeremy want to go hunt i'll be like yeah sure let's go do this jared and i would have been like really jared 
exactly what would happen. <laughs> yep. So like for it. everybody listening out there, just realize that I get myself into a lot of situations that people don't hear about, but yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. you just got to laugh it off and keep going. Yeah, the drug deal one, that doesn't sound too fun. <laughs> yeah. I still don't know what was going down there, but uh, a brand new white Escalade, like pulling into a public land parking lot at 6 a.m. in the middle of nowhere. And then there was a, a Ford that pulled in behind them. The Escalade takes off. I'm like, what in the heck is going on? So this dude's sitting there in the truck and I'm like, oh, he's maybe he's hunting. I'm going to go talk to him and see where he's going. I don't want to mess him up. So I walk over there and he's like mid fifties, clean cut, real nice buttoned up shirt. I'm like, this, this ain't adding up. I'm like, Hey man, you headed back in here today. And he said, Nope. I was like, Oh, okay. I was like, I'm hunting back here today. I was just, I didn't want to mess you up. I said, are you hunting today? He said, Nope. Just hanging out. I was like, all right, man, I'll catch you later. And I just packed up my stuff and I freaking took off. Yep. I was like, I don't know what's going on here, but I don't want any part of it. Yeah. That's definitely <laughs> something was going down. No doubt about that one. So, yeah. so here's to kind of man, Jared, I congratulations because I remember saying and having you say on the last time that you were on, you're like, man, what a year that I had that, you know, the year that you killed your Iowa buck and you killed, what would you kill four that year? <laughs> three or four and then like, the year before I killed four or five. I don't know. Yeah. Like it's been, it's been crazy. You, yeah. you, you've been going on a, on a phenomenal streak the last couple of years and, and you're like, man, I, I can't top it. Well, you did. <laughs> so, so kind of to, to kind of two more things that I do want to ask you, it's not that they're not long, but like to kind of like wrap things up a little bit, like where do you go from here now? Ah, oh, man. I mean, I just want to keep doing what I've been doing. Just, yep picking new spots and new states and just going and just seeing what happens. What, like intri- I've got- what, what intrigues you? Is there a place or anything that kind of really like gets that, like, hmm, that would be cool. Dude, Delaware has been popping up in my mind here lately. I don't know why. Well, that like, one, that that's a, that that's an off air discussion on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's, like there's so many places like even in Pennsylvania and Ohio, like I just don't have time to, to hunt them all. It's like, I would be perfectly content just hunting like, you know, the tri-state area right here and just, you know, going on adventures like that backpack hunts. Like I really, really want to get more into the backpack hunting type deal. Like where I, I shot that buck in PA, that would have been the perfect place for it. And I would have froze to death out there just the same as I did at the truck. So I might as well just slept in the woods. Yeah. So I want to, I want to get into more stuff like that. That's awesome. So obviously you're, you're, you're up there with tethered and you get a chance to try new things out before they come out and along those lines. But speaking of things that are out, you know, what is your, I asked Rob the same question. What's your favorite tethered product? Oh man. It's got to be the hiss strap. Like it's so it's stupid, simple, but yep. like I can't imagine life without that thing. So I, that's that's exactly what I said to Rob, and I, and I kind of I I I kind of didn't really elaborate on it. I was just like, oh yeah, like you said, it's just so simple, stupid that it helps. So my second deer that I killed, which was like the technically would have been that first week full, like the first full week, and then that first Saturday, I should have just ran home and grabbed my backpack with my frame pack and went just back down in there and, and mm-hmm. cut up the deer, and, you know, quartered her out and called it a day. But I was 
just too excited. I'm like, I'm dragging this deer out of here. It's not too bad. And I'm tripping over all because it was an old clear cut. I'm tripping over the uh, the all the stems that are still growing and everything like that. I'm pulling her out. It took like three hours to get her out of there. But finally, when I got her to the road, which earlier in the spring when I scouted this spot, the road was like dirt, whereas now they put down that little like gravel rock. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, dang, my bike, I'm not – I mean, I wouldn't have actually been able to probably pedal up it. Like going down is fine because you have that momentum, but going back out, I would have had to push anyway just because yeah. it was public land, so I can't use an e-bike there. Yeah, so, bike. so I'm using my regular bike, and, and I have a Hawk little uh, neck strap thing that, like, you know, the, the drag, and it's a hard plastic. I hooked up my hitch strap to the front of my handlebars, and I wrapped it around and like and pulled it, uh, made like a little cinch knot yep. on the handle, and I just pushed like just, a sled. <laughs> I sled pushed that bike and and dragged that deer 900 yards on the road, Holy. dude, from the road to my truck, and then 300 yards from the road to the 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 timber, and then it was about 400 yards from the timber to where I I. I kill her. Yeah, dude, that, I was sore for like three days that day. But the hitch strap saved my life, and it was the same hitch strap that I used for the rest of the season. There was nothing wrong with it. Dude, I, when I killed my buck in Iowa last year and I quartered him out, I didn't have a place to hang the quarters at camp. There was like a little oak tree about this big. I put the hitch strap on there. I had 105 pounds of deboned meat that I hung off of that hitch strap, and it held it just fine yeah, just like, like a champ. it's impressive yeah. <laughs> like it's Dude. the simplest thing but man i love that thing it's I'm awesome with, i'm with you on that man 27.99 go get yourself a hitch strap <laughs> <on> tethernation.com <laughs> <laughs> i like it man dude jared i i appreciate you so much uh one telling those awesome stories on here fires me up like i, I want to go hunting i can't wait till after christmas now well, already to to get out for a late season i'm gonna have baby number two i'm my wife's gonna be in labor i'm gonna be in a tree and i'm gonna be the public enemy number one <laughs> but that's all right yeah. I like yeah it's i mean it's kind of winding down for me i'm pretty happy with how the season ended so i'm just good with whatever i've been muzzleloader hunting a little bit but yeah i don't know that that late muzzleloader in maryland it's still tempting but i just I still don't know how I don't know if I need another adventure or not this yeah. year. Might well, just call it good. <laughs> so just because again, I, I I didn't really dissect the laws. Uh, the is it the western side of Maryland that you are able to rifle hunt? Mm-hmm. So the yep. western side is rifle hunt. The right the the eastern shore side is where you have to use the muzzle loader and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's what I thought. Yeah, but I'm I'm definitely not done in Maryland. Like I've got some real good intel from you know the cameras that i ran over there this year and i've got some spots that i kind of know when they're good now so i i think i'll be in good shape for for next yeah. year yeah i i listen i i i know i was only there for like two days basically hunting that but I, that is a, a spot where i regret not really dissecting this is this is a key takeaway don't be like me don't be like an idiot where i didn't really look at public land pieces. Like I was like, Oh, I'm going to go with my friend. And then obviously I have it here. And, uh, Chris Weiss, a good buddy of mine from Pennsylvania, he lives very close to the border on the Western side of, of the Maryland, uh, units basically. And he would constantly hunt it, you know, after work. Cause he's only half hour right there. Boom, 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 boom. And it didn't dawn on me where I'm like, dang, he's hunting Sunday. Like what, like what private piece does he have access to? And then I sent yeah. him a couple waypoints 
And I was like, Hey, what about this one? He's like, Oh dude, that's not far from like where I hunt. Like that, that, that might be a really good location. Like get in there, get after it. He's like, you know, you can hunt that on Sundays. I was just like, wait, what? You know what I mean? I was just, and here it is like middle of October when I could have been going the last four or five weeks. Oops. I hit my, I think like the past four weeks. I'm just like, you gotta be shitting me right now. Like I could have gone on some, some cool adventures, maybe killed a buck and uh, just, so now next year I'm like, Oh, for sure. I'm getting the Maryland license just because now I know I could hunt this, this, uh, national area on, on a Sunday. So yeah, dude, it's hard to keep up with all that stuff. Yeah. It's real hard for me. Like I have to be real diligent about, you know, keeping up on all the laws and all these states. Cause man, it's, it's tough. Yeah. <laughs> I could. Yeah. I mean, for someone like you, that is obviously creating awesome things for, for tethered. I mean, you're going to a bunch yeah. of different places where it's like PA, Ohio yeah. and, and Maryland, but yeah, yeah dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jared, I listen, man, again, thank you. Congratulations on, on, on a phenomenal season. I appreciate you sharing those stories and your wisdom and looking forward to, uh, catching up with you here on on the hopefully catch up with you at the pa show and uh, yeah. as, as we're slinging some product at, at the great american outdoor show so be on the lookout for that and some new cool things that will be coming down the pipeline from tethered and and the videos that Jer- jared will be releasing and, and everybody else from tethered so jared man i appreciate you coming on and doing that just where can people follow along and, and all that cool stuff yeah, so most of the videos are, you know, on Tethered Nation. Um, my Instagram's like jshafe underscore 30 or something like that. But, uh, yeah, all these bucks are got all of them mostly on film. So there's there's going to be some some good episodes coming out. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. But, uh, yeah, dude, I appreciate you having me on. It's always a blast. Absolutely, man. Well, everybody, go follow the Brett the Hitman Heart version of In Our Hunting World. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. And, uh, that's, that's why I guess now, like when you said you didn't really follow WWF back in the day, that was, that was Bret Hart's thing. Just, you know, that's why when that came on, I'm like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta post that one on that image. So go give them a follow, go watch those videos. Thanks again, everybody for tuning in this week. We'll see you next weekend. Antler up. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Antler Up podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Please go check us out on our Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Go Wild and at antlerupoutdoors.com. If you enjoyed this episode, go leave a review and subscribe for next week's episode. Until then, Antler Up.